Welcome to the Dynasty Strategy Hub Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Ferraro, here with my co-host, Dave Sanders. Uh, as we continue along here in Season 2, uh, Dave, we got, looks like Lawrence Cheney's on with us. Why don't you tell us a little bit about him? Yep, you probably know Lawrence from Twitter, at Pacific Scouting. He's a co-owner of DebbieWatch.com, which offers year-round Debbie coverage and issues an annual publication. He's also the host of the Debbie Watch Podcast. Lawrence, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I just recently checked out your, I want to say, episode two of season two, maybe episode one with uh, with Kyle Francis, just to get the baseline of your whole process here, and I enjoyed it. So I'm definitely, I'm, I'm excited to be on. Thanks. Yeah, it's a great time to have you on with WC and getting underway. Uh, can you tell us a bit about how you got started in the industry and what got you interested in talent evaluation and scouting? Yeah, so fantasy football, um, been doing it for years, the whole redraft deal, and big-time Husky, big-time Seahawks fan up here in the Northwest. And I guess the process for me, I talked about it just not too long ago on the Debbie Watch podcast with what got me started into this. And it was just the trajectory of the Seahawks and everything that was going prior to John Schneider showing up. It got me interested in talent evaluation because um, I was so naive. I thought, you know, maybe I can scout players, evaluate players and somehow help my team in the future. You know what I mean? Which it's just so hard to break into the industry. But I was naive about it, and I, I just enjoyed it. You know, I started with cornerbacks, edge of defenders, and just grew from there, went to the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Debbie propped, um, I want to say, Michael Goins from Dynasty Football Factory reached out to me as I was into Debbie, and I was, um, you know, putting my stuff out there on Twitter. So I jumped on with DFF myself. Brad McDaniel started the Debbie um, department over there at DynastyFootballFactory.com. Brought in the rest of our team, kicked off the Debbie Watch Guide, and it just all went from there. Then eventually turned it into a website and uh, split off from DFF, but kudos to them for, for giving us our start. And, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much how it all went, man. I just – I liked college football. I liked the process of seeing those guys jump from college to the NFL, and that's sort of how, how it all went for me. I think it's I think it's interesting. You started on the defensive side of the ball. I was waiting for you to tell me. Well, I love quarterbacks and wide receivers, and um, but to hear you know CBs and, and edge rushers is something pretty awesome. So uh, you said you do a lot of redraft, but how? What do you? What's your leagues kind of look like now? Are you doing a lot with Devi? Does it have to have Devi? I know that's where you spend a lot of time, and that's that's where you put a lot of energy. But is that a requirement, or is that just one of those things you're like? It's cool if you have it, but I'd rather prefer it or not. So I only have one redraft league. Um, it's my home league that's been going on for years. And uh, the rest is Dynasty. There's a few IDPs in there. One of them, I have one. I don't even have one regular Dynasty league, actually. There's there's a, the only one that doesn't have Devi is a Dynasty IDP league. Um, the, the campus to Canton styles, um, college redraft, college Dynasty uh, so, yeah, I mean, I feel like Debbie, so I sort of have to have it in my leagues. You know, I was thinking earlier, uh, a few weeks ago, I put out a tweet. I was like, man, all my leagues are Debbie. I need to get in some regular regular style dynasty leagues, you know what I mean? And then some people reached out to me and like, hey, I'm starting this up, starting this. And I thought about it. I was like, actually, I'm not too interested in, in regular dynasty anymore. So, Debbie, I think for me, it, it sort of has to be included or the whole college to the NFL type deal that that's currently going on right now, which is, you know, sort of. I guess blowing up, and I, that's probably my favorite format, the campus to Canton style. Yeah, well, so we had Kyle on earlier uh, in the season, and he talked a lot about that as well. Um, I think it's a great concept. I think it's something that's definitely going to take off as we look into 
you know, everybody did redraft. And now I think while Dynasty is continuing to blow up, like it, mm-hmm. it's, it's still getting there, but it's always looking for that. What's that next thing? Um, for me, it was Debbie and then contracts, um, salary cap leagues or something for RSO that really intrigues me. So um, pro, kudos to doing the IDP. That's one, one I haven't stepped my foot into yet. Um, I have a hard enough time trying to keep everybody else straight, much less before we throw the other side on. Um, but, you know, we particularly talking, it is Devi draft season. So what kind of approach do you take to balance out, you know, your squad in the Devi draft? Are you kind of looking at those guys that you're already what you've got? And then, you know, because everybody can hit on the quarterbacks, I feel like. But so what's kind of your thought process going into a Devi draft? Yeah. I, well, one thing is with quarterbacks, um, we've done, I felt like we've done a terrific job year, you know, years out as far as evaluating these quarterbacks and getting the right guys in place for our rankings. But there's always one that creeps up, you know, whether it's Baker Mayfield, which we knew the talent was there. Uh, Kyler Murray, the thing with, with Kyler Murray was uh, just his, his process with baseball. Um, we had him written up. We liked him, but it was one of those things where like, nah, well, let's, let's sort of pump the brakes here just because of the whole baseball thing. He's got drafted eighth overall to the, the athletics. And then this year, Joe Burrow, which I didn't see that coming. Um, but quarterbacks, for the most part, I think we do a good job. As far as building my rosters, uh, there's just – I usually go into a draft with, with a set group of guys, and it's never based on roster need. Um, there's been a few occasions where I've looked at my roster and I've been, I've been like, okay, so I need a tight end. Uh, and what I typically do is, you know, trade for like a Greg Olson or, or a Jason Wayne or one of those types that's cheap and old. And two years ago, you know, I absolutely had to have Noah Fant in a few leagues. So I drafted him in the first round at Debbie's just because, you know, I knew I needed a tight end for the future. Um, and I didn't want to spend big on it as far as, you know, trading assets away. So uh, I basically go in with a set group of players and, you know, it's sort of, BPA at that point I'm typically never drafting for need um you know it's draft guys that I see perceived value in you know accruing value over a certain amount of time and then eventually trading them for pieces that I need to win now that's sort of my take on everything yeah it makes perfect sense I think uh and we'll kind of talk about this a little bit farther as far as um you know from an economic standpoint, you know, the value of the dollar and how far that goes. Um, but if you're in like a Debbie auction, are you going to be aggressive on those big name guys since you probably know more about some other players than most, or are you going to try to spread that out a little bit um, and get some of those lesser known players a little bit later? Um, I still, so when I go into an auction um, and the whole thought process with that thought process with that is, you know, when you nominate somebody to go in, um, I'll typically pick one guy who I, I see, who I know is going to take up a lot of dollars for people. And then I'll take another guy who I feel like I can get cheap uh, for pig pigs three, for example, you know, I'll, I'll nominate someone that I feel is going to take a lot of dollars and one that I feel like I can get later for cheap or, you know, when people are sort of running out of, running out of money. Um, I like to spread the wealth and I like to sort of spread it out. You know, it's, it's allowed me to get guys like um, LaVisca Chenault or, let's see here, Seth Williams, um, you know, players that I feel like are going to be good pros, but not many people are really too high on them. I mean, obviously we know now LaVisca Chanel, the whole process, he's, he's been a roller coaster in terms of value, but I I like to spread it out. I mean, I feel like there's, there's uh, just like in the NFL draft, you know, you have people who 
you have GMs who just 12, 13 picks because they know it's pretty much a gamble. And the more players you get, the better chance they are there is them making the roster and making an impact for your team. So um, I know there's those blue chip players, but I feel like if I can get, you know, a number of players spread, spread out across my roster, there's a better chance of me hitting on a number of players. So that's sort of how I go about it. When we talked to Kyle earlier this week, he mentioned that, you know, he often leans towards his upperclassmen over the incoming five stars or four stars. Do you follow a similar approach or are you more willing to take a chance on somebody who you may not have seen that college tape on yet? As far as that goes, I think, uh, you know, that's a, that's a good question. I think my thought process has changed quite a bit over the last three years. Um, I used to always, you know, the new shiny toy, similar to rookie fever that people get during dynasty rookie drafts, um, the new shiny toy, you know, freshman. But it, then I, I realized it's when we look at Debbie players and we look at production, it's typically the production rises to the top. So it's sort of trying to identify which freshman is going to come in and produce early. And it's as much as we want to think there's a lot that do it, there's not many that come in and produce year one and you just see their, their stock sort of plummet. Um, so I lean more so, more so towards, you know, those rising sophomores, uh, the upperclassmen, and I'll pick a few guys late. Um, Jamar Chase, for example, is one as a freshman that I drafted late, you know, and, and then he didn't, I mean, he had an okay freshman season, but then he blew up as a sophomore and then I'm able to sort of utilize his value as it sits right now. But yeah, I think I lean more so towards the upperclassmen just because it's so hard to produce for these incoming freshmen. And when they don't produce, you see the next year's crop incoming freshmen, um, their stock overtake last year's crop. So that's, that's how it is. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'm also in pigs three. And one thing that I think we run into in leagues with smaller taxi squads is if you go for a guy who's three or four years out, you're holding one of your five taxi squad spots on a guy that's so far away. And then it limits you in the future, that flexibility. Um, if somebody were to, you know, start, they listen to this podcast and they're like, oh, my league doesn't have Debbie, but I want to incorporate Debbie. How do you think they could go about doing that? Is it possible in an existing league or do you think you have to kind of start fresh and establish that from day one? I've never started it in an existing league. Um, I've, I've known of people to do that. And what they do is typically just hold a separate draft, um, you know, a two round draft, which allows people to get, start with two Debbies or a Debbie on their roster. And, uh, but I've never done that. I've always just incorporated it from the beginning and I've never been in a league that has, you know, been around for a few years and then incorporating Debbie. So I think starting fresh is obviously for me, the best route to go. Yeah. And then with starting fresh, um, one thing I can probably imagine as a commissioner that it's hard to balance, you know, the Debbie aspect and the rookie aspect without watering down that rookie draft. So one thing I like that Scott's done in the pigs leagues is limit the number of, you know, copies that can, it's a multi-copy league and he limits the number of times you know, that person can be selected so that there's still some of that person, you know, a couple copies left for the rookie draft. I think that's been a big help, but uh, I think limiting the player pool can also be an, an option. So in that league, we have two nominations. It cuts off at a certain number. So unlimited Debbie could open it up to a point where you're, you know, reaching such a watered down state. Um, one more thing talking about like scouting prospects is, do you have any sticking points when it comes to height or weight for certain guys? I know Kyle mentioned that, you know, weight for running backs is important for him. And if it's under 200 or 205, he's less interested at that point. Yeah. Well, to the first point though, I just want to make a comment on that. What, what I do spots is perfect. You know how he allows um, only a certain amount of copies to be selected. But for me, what I do with that is in all my leagues, 
it's a combined it's a combined Devi and rookie draft just because I don't want the you know the watered down uh, mm-hmm. rookies. Um, I I'm in a few leagues where the drafts are separate. You know, you got a rookie draft, you got a Devi draft, and it's like you know how do you go about selecting the slot for the rookie and selecting the slot for the Devi in order for it to be fair. So I th- I just think running a combined Devi rookie draft is is the best way to go about it. Um, to the second point, I think. Uh, so we have a lot of discussions um, amongst uh, the crew at the Debbie watch and, you know, a lot of the points that Kyle hit on as far as the weight, um, the size, I think, uh, you know, it's something that we've, we've discussed and it's pointed us in a direction to sort of identify those players that are going to be drafted within day one or day two, because day three is sort of a death sentence at this point. I know there's some outliers, but yeah, I think, um, under two bills at the running back position, you know, that's, um, there's a lot of, I guess there's, there's a lot of ways to lose value for those running backs, especially if they go day three. So yeah, I, uh, the research that both him and Greg Brandt have done has, has led me to, I guess, the same ideals behind running back, um, wide receiver, they come in all shapes and sizes. I know the BMI is a big deal, and uh, rarely do I draft those guys that are going to be smaller like a Marquise Brown. Um, but running back, I'm, I'm sort of the same ideals behind that position as far as, you know, being 205 plus, having a certain amount of catches in college, looking at their production and their athletic testing. It makes perfect sense. I think there's you got to have some, got you know, guardrails, not necessarily mm-hmm. strict rules, but a guardrail always does help. You know, since you're aware of prospects a little bit earlier most, whether it's, you know, those early incoming freshmen, those guys that produce a little bit more in college, do you find yourself prone to sticking with some of the guys you tend to favor a little bit longer than you should? Uh, maybe if somebody that doesn't do as much, Devin, isn't as far into it, that kind of learns about more about draft time. I know we just talked about if it's a day three death sentence, you're screwed. But, uh, you know, do you find yourself, hey, you like for me, Kelvin Harvin's one that, God, I love that kid. And then he just kept falling and I still have him in three leagues because I couldn't say no. Um, I mean, there's been times like a Katie Cannon, uh, Carlos Henderson. Those are two guys who, I mean, Carlos Henderson, I found him when I was watching Kenneth Dixon throughout his draft process. And it was I was all in on Car- Carlos Henderson and he's one that stuck around on my rosters. Obviously, he's not on there anymore. I think I cut ties this past year. There's a few like that, you know what I mean? But I, I I understand, you know, where a certain guy goes, like a Hakeem Butler. I mean, he's chilling on some of my rosters, and I'm still holding out hope. Um, but it, if I have room, I'm not just going to cut ties with the guy. You know what I mean? If if I do, or if, if I if I don't have room, then there's there's certainly, you know, cause for dismissal as far as what he's going to offer my team. And, um so yeah, players like Akeem Butler, I guess now that we're talking about um, holding guys on rosters and him being within, you know, a, a year of being drafted, he's the one that's still on my rosters. The other guys, Katie Cannon, Carlos Henderson, those are just two that popped up that I've definitely cut ties with. But um, yeah, as soon as that draft capital comes around and, you know, I watched that, then you watched out the training camps and, and see if guys are getting looks or if they're going to be injured the whole year. And, um, you know, it's sort of, a good, I guess, gives you a good idea of, of what to expect from those guys in the future. Definitely. So capital makes, makes a big deal. And then you can kind of tell the guys that are getting looks that are getting playing time and it's, you know, are they picking up 
the last two minute drive in the second, you know, third, fourth preseason, they're not really getting any looks. It's going to be a they're not they don't have a chance. So who who would you get to be consider some of your you know biggest hits um, in the most recent last couple of years or so? Um, biggest hits, I would say. Trying to look at the guys that I own and and on rosters. Um, I would say definitely a Jamar Chase. Um, he's the one I was getting in, I want to say, the fifth round, fifth, sixth round coming in as a freshman, sometimes later. Um, I would consider him a hit right now. Another another big one I know I was expecting him to come out last year is Justin Herbert, 2016 draft. Was it 16? 2016, 2017. Um, drafted him in a super flex in, in the 19th round of a rookie R in a, in a Debbie draft. And, you know, he's just appreciated um, tenfold since then. Um, Lamb and Rager, those are two guys after their freshman seasons. Even prior to that, um, had Rager in a lot of places coming in as a freshman due to my uh, buddy Clay, Clay Steffen, who put me on to him um, coming in as a freshman. I didn't expect his, his value to be what it is now, but he's one that certainly hit. And then CeeDee Lamb after his freshman year, um, he was a, he was a study case for us at the Debbie Watch. We wanted to all get on the same page, use a grading scale, and he was a player we picked after his freshman season for all of us to sort of um, to watch and see where he falls on the grading scale for us so that we can see if that scale we're using, um, if we can do it collectively and, you know, it for it to make sense for all of us. And he graded out really high for all of us. So um, CD Lamb was probably another one. We like to close all of the interviews with rapid fire. So if we were to jump 10 years in the future, what's one change or new feature you'd like to be the Norman fantasy? Um, I'm going to pretty much just, I mean, repeat what was said on the last episode. And I just think this opens up just so much more, um, whether it be trading, um, interest in leagues, and that that's obviously Debbie. Um, college fantasy and Debbie, you know, it's just – it's a different beast, but it's, it's, it's so much fun. Um, it's addicting as hell. So, you know, I've had to cut back some leagues just because of, you know, jumping in to more Debbies. And you just want to be in a position to draft guys early and, and sort of see them blossom, you know, years – years out and I think you know as as more people get into dynasty they're going to want more and I think Debbie gives that so I obviously hope that Debbie is something that sort of blows up in in the coming years I think it's one of those things that especially stuff like debbiewatch.com really make your life easier in scouting um shameless plug for you guys uh, that it is something I think that once you kind of get over that hurdle of like, oh, man, it's a whole lot more I need to learn. It does become really exciting. You know, Dave and I work, are in uh, Kitchen Cinco together, um, and that's kind of been my first thing. But it really gives you that something to do on Saturdays as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll catch myself watching games. I really would have zero interest watching. But, hey, I know somebody on that squad. Let me see what they're doing. Uh, worst trade you've ever made that you want to admit on here? Um, actually, so there's a few. Uh, I cannot – recall verbatim what happened in that first one that I that I really ended up disliking and it was me acquiring Tyler Lockett and sending off a David Johnson in the year that David Johnson blew up and I lost to the owner in the championship that I sent David Johnson to so that's 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 one that hurt I can't remember I just remember those are the two main players involved 
um, the whole Matt Harmon, is it Matt Harmon? The uh, perception, perception mm-hmm. came out and, you know, the Tyler Lockett craze, obviously him being a Seahawk. That sent me down that rabbit hole. But the most recent, I guess I could say, the inception of Pigs 3, um, I drafted Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, and Lamar Jackson in, in that uh, initial auction. And prior to the season kicking off, I traded away Patrick Mahomes for uh, – I, I don't know what player it was. A player, um, some picks, and Blake Bortles. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, that one, uh, that one killed me because just a few months down the road prior to the season starting, I then traded James Conner away in that league. And it's like if I had Patrick Mahomes and James Conner in the year that Patrick Mahomes blew up and James Conner blew up, you know, it would have been a different story that first year in Pigs 3. But that, that one is probably my worst one, the Patrick Mahomes deal. That, that, that'll that sting for a little bit too. That's not mm-hmm. one of those ones that, oh, it's one year and it had. The David Johnson one you can kind of get over. He lost a championship, yeah. which I guess, you know, is important, but kind of move Lamar Jackson. It. Lamar Jackson softens the blow because of his year this year. But, I mean, having those three quarterbacks would have been something else. And uh, that that's not the case anymore. So, it's yeah. unfortunate. Uh, last two wall, favorite beverage? Um, I am a big iced tea guy. Yeah, S- sweet tea, iced tea. That's uh, that and club soda. Don't ask why. It's uh, it allowed me to kick my pop habit. So, iced tea and club soda, sparkling water, whatever you want to call it. I, I do sweet tea all the time. I'm in North Carolina, so it's uh, there is no such thing as unsweetened tea down here. I'm yeah, if you I, ask for that, Dave. You can't get that. Don't drink that. Yeah, that's uh, Dave's beverage choice right now. It's, it's unsweetened, unsweetened tea. tea. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. <laughs> Uh, I think we just lost followers for that one. Thanks, Dave. Uh, last one, cake or pie? I like cake. I can't give you a specific cake, but when I go to the grocery store or something, I'm definitely not reaching for a pie. That's, that's, that's understandable. It's kind of uh, depending on the function, depends on the cake. Um, is there anything, as we kind of wrap up, and we appreciate you being on, that uh, we want to make sure this is your chance to plug anybody, anything, handles, whatever you need to. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. First and foremost, it's a, it's a nice, fun, little quick episode. I think um, DebbieWatch.com, you know, we have the 2020 Debbie Watch that released back in February. Uh, I mean, people are quarantined right now. It's a, it's a long read, you know, so if you want to sit back and learn about some prospects, get some, I guess, evaluations down for yourself, grab the 2020 Debbie Watch over at DebbieWatch.com. You can click on the shop. It's going to be there. Obviously, sub to the site if you're interested in evaluations for these future prospects and then the debbie watch podcast um we'll be having a pretty big guest on this next week so i'm excited for that very good yeah i purchased the debbie watch report the last two years two years and it's been incredible like it's helped me so much before i was just looking at the incoming five stars um it's really helped me in pigs three um so can't recommend it enough it's this year it's over 350 pages i probably through like the first 100 so far and i'm rushing to catch up um, so definitely recommend our folks go out there and purchase that. Uh, Lawrence, thanks again for joining us. That was you know awesome to have you on. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate you having me. Game over.